Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. It began long ago. Two young boys in an American town riding their bikes to school and Little League practice. Over the years, the boys became fast friends, united in their love for stories where things would go horribly wrong. Pour yourself a strong beverage and buckle up. You're in the shallow end with Schnebley and Toff. Episode 60, Good Grief of the Shallow End. Six zero, all in a row. <laughs> Two, that's, it's sequential. It's really quite a coincidence that all 60 episodes happened uh, in order. We're number 60 right now, and this is labeled number 60. What are the odds of that? I think it's incredible. It must be some labeling mistake. I think considering that we all understand <clears throat> that time is not linear, it's very amateurish for you guys, really. <laughs> it is, actually. You're right. We're better than this. We are. <laughs> We're much better than this. Plus, birds aren't real, and this is number 60. Mm -hmm. Yeah, got that right. We lost a tremendous, uh, tremendous treasure in America this past week with the passing of Tony Bennett. Oh, we did. And I I had a, a kind of a cool story, if I do say so myself. Back in 2012, I was visiting my buddy Paul in New York, and we were at an art store on 57th Street, not far from Columbus Circle. And we're, uh, it's Paul and me, and Paul's friend, Jeff Domenico and Jeff's son, Matthew. Matthew was, I think, maybe 12 at the time, an aspiring artist. And the four of us are milling around in this art store, and I hear my friend Paul say quietly, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Tony Bennett. <laughs> and I look up, and by God, there's Tony Bennett in a white bucket hat and kind of a canvas coat and khaki slacks and running shoes and he sees us recognize him and you can just sort of see wash over his face this feeling of oh boy here we here go we here go. comes an autograph request here we go <laughs> so uh jeff says mr bennett it's a very uh big honor to meet you um do you think i could get a photo and you can see Tony Bennett kind of sink. Mm -hmm. And and Jeff says, with my son, uh, Matthew, he's an aspiring artist. And Tony Bennett lights up like a Christmas tree. Aww. And and actually puts, kind of crouches down, puts his hands on his knees. So he's now eye level with Matthew. And he says, Matthew, very good to meet you. There are two rules in life. Rule number one Never give up. Rule number two, when in doubt, see rule number one. Oh, my God. Mm, Isn't that sweet? Wow. And then, and then we got a photo with, uh, with Tony Bennett and Matthew, and, uh, and he went on his way. And I thought, that is the coolest thing that he was he, – he, you, you could just see his demeanor changed mm -hmm. when 
Jeff said, my son is an aspiring artist. Oh, that's amazing. What a great story. And it doesn't yeah. surprise me. It fits right. It, that tracks with what I know about Tony Bennett. Right, right. Yeah. Very, very, just an amazing guy. And, and his background, you know, an infantryman in World War II. And God, all the, all the things that he accomplished. What an artist. Well, this is the first episode that we've recorded with Kat and I actually being in our ultimate Ecuadorian location, our destination, Cuenca. We did record the last episode in Guayaquil, uh, but uh, now we're higher up in the Andes, and uh, it's a beautiful city, Linz. I can't wait to visit someday and see it. Particularly, I want to see this uh, Matthews uh, bagel shop. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then I want to have a beer and pizza at uh, 1111. Okay, yeah. Well, these are places a half block from where we're staying right now. And uh, yeah, we've been sharing this. Kat and I have been sharing this with Linz. Um, Yeah, absolutely. We look forward to hosting you and uh, and your lovely bride, Nan, uh, in the very near future. One of the things that we've really enjoyed is walking along the Tomibamba River, which goes right through the center of Cuenca. And along the banks of the river, you see people just lounging about. They're enjoying the moment. They're, they're staying uh, focused on the now, uh, whether it's just maybe leaning against a tree or riding your bike along the river. But we've noticed that a lot of people do their laundry right in the river. Seriously? They, yeah. They take their sacks of laundry and they go down to the river and they and they wash it. In fact, we saw, what was it? What do you think? Like maybe 40 sacks of laundry and they kept throwing them down to people in the river to uh, to wash and send back up. So I'm guessing it's a, uh, a service that's being offered. Uh, we'll do your laundry. I'm not sure if the people who whose laundry that belongs to knows that it's being washed in the river, <laughs> but it's a very clean river. I was going to say the river must be clean if you can actually get laundry clean in oh, it. Oh yeah. No, oh, it's, yeah. it's pristine. It's uh they, they take that very, very seriously. Are you tempted to, to, to have something laundered by one of these people just to see what it looks, looks and smells like when it comes back? I, I wonder if we already have, because the last time we were here, <laughs> Um, one of the right. women working at the hotel that we were staying at, would, they didn't have a laundry at the hotel, but she was just like, oh, I'll take it and my mom will do it. And now looking back, I'm like, that was river laundry. <laughs> it could very well. I love the term river laundry. <laughs> ben. Uh, but it was, it's, it's an amazing thing to see. And that got me thinking about uh, laundry and how we do it. And laundry day is something that we all dread. Not me, of course, because I don't do laundry. Cat does it all. Mm. Um, and though it's a drag to do it today, imagine how it must have been for our ancestors. Had to be brutal. Yeah, before we had the Tide Fresh Coral Blast Scent High Efficiency Liquid Laundry Detergent. So picture this, ancient Egyptians along the Nile. Uh, they're uh, doing their garments in the water of the Nile. But what they're using instead of Tide Fresh Coral Blast Scent High Efficiency Liquid Laundry Detergent. They're they're using fermented urine. What to to clean their clothing? Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, I remember talking about that. Like places used to collect urine. There were places where you could pee along the the side streets, and they would they would keep no. it. Yeah, they did that in Rome. No. as well. Yeah. No, no laundry in urine. <laughs> <laughs> No. Yeah, it's urine, the unsung hero of ancient stain removal. 
Um, yeah, it was a laundry detergent at the time. That's what they used it as, among other things, I'm, I'm sure. In that same episode that Kat was just referencing, uh, that we talked about this on the Box of Oddities, she was talking about, or maybe it was me, uh, ancient birth control method in Egypt. Um, yeah, women used, uh, let's, well, they would use crocodile dung and internally use crocodile dung, Ooh, dung, okay. dung. Okay. And um, I'm wondering. What's brown and sounds like a bell? <laughs> Monty Python? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Lindsay Two Sheds. Yeah. <laughs> Lindsay Two Sheds Jackson. <laughs> no, that, that and that whole uh, crocodile dung thing probably was pretty efficient as a birth control method because guys probably wouldn't go anywhere near them. That was my first reaction, and I'm glad you said it because... <laughs> Because now you're the one who sounds sexist. Yeah, right. I don't have to worry about right. it. Right. Well, I usually do. I, th- you're not. You're not making that up. Crocodile dung yeah. as as a method of birth control. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely true. Wow. Yeah. Who the hell discovered that? Which would bring us back very nicely to laundry, because after using crocodile dung like that, I would think you might need some. You know, might need some work on those sheets. You might need to rinse out your delicates. <laughs> So in medieval Europe, they used stale beer as a uh, detergent. Yep, that's what they did. They genuinely believed in the magical powers of malted beverages to transform their laundry. Good grief. Further back in time, Romans, they had their own tricks up their togas with uh, their penchants for opulence and extravagance. They would bathe their clothes in fermented grapes. Hmm. Now, which is weird to me because trying to get grape juice stains out of laundry is next to impo- impossible. Mm. But, you know, it's funny. When you said that, my initial thought was something like a Chardonnay or, or uh, yeah. you know, yeah. something white. And I think, well, I guess maybe I could see using that to clean your clothes. It would, but it would have to be like a Pinot Grigio or something. Doesn't everything smell like wine? Not that there's anything wrong with that, actually. <laughs> no, no. Think about it. Most people in my life do. Anyway, <laughs> in Asia, they use rice water. They Well, they did anyway. They, they would boil their rice, and then the byproduct was rice water, and they would use that to, uh, to clean their garments. And throughout the centuries, many different things were used. Ashes, sour milk, white eggs, or egg whites, rather. Uh, bran was used. Sand. Potato what? water. Yeah, sand. No. Yeah, they, no. People would rub sandy soil on their clothes, and that would help remove or dislodge some of the stains and dirt. Um, but it does seem counterintuitive, doesn't it? Let's get rid of this dirt by rubbing it with dirt. Yeah. It's clean Let's dirt, pour though. wine on it. That'll fix it. <laughs> and you said potato, potato something? Potato water. Yeah, same thing as rice water, just leftover boiled potato water. Uh, chalk, moss. Ground ivy, ground up ivy. They use that. No. Bread crusts. No. no. Yeah. No moss, no ivy. Stale bread. No. No, no, none of that. No, no urine. No. No. Some of these methods might seem unusual to us now, but they demonstrate the resourcefulness of people uh, throughout history, finding creative ways to clean their laundry. And that brings us to today. In a small West St. Paul apartment, An everyday laundry day turned into a bizarre catastrophe when a man named Robert decided to tackle stubborn stains with a 
highly unconventional approach. Is this St. Paul, Minnesota by chance? It is indeed, my friend. Ah. I know you've got family there. Loves me some St. Paul. So let's let's take a ride into the labyrinth of Robert's thought process here, where logic may have taken an unexpected detour and common sense decided to take a vacation. Okay. So Robert, it's laundry day, and he's looking at his laundry, staring into the basket, and he's met with a sight that uh, every laundry enthusiast dreads. <laughs> an assortment of clothes tainted with stubborn, seemingly indelible stains. Like alligator dung? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. I'm not sure. Not sure. He could. Well, it's possible. I don't think they have alligators in St. Paul, but go on. Are you sure, though, Linz? Are you sure? I'm not. I'm not. No. Watch us get emails from St. Paul residents saying, here's the alligator in my front yard. (laughs) The prospect of spending hours scrubbing away at these blemishes on his uh, shirts and trousers was not appealing. And he found himself yearning for a miracle solution that could make those stains vanish like magic. Okay. (laughs) So he was tired of using the mundane detergent bottles and never-ending array of stain removers that boasted but seldom delivered. Robert's mind began to wander. He thought there must be a better way. So he's scrolling through the interwebbles. And, of course, everything online is true. Sure it is. And he is fueled by the plethora of unusual cleaning hacks that he comes across. And he wonders if maybe there's a hidden gem in this list of peculiar advice. And he stumbled upon the answer, an intriguing comment buried within the chaotic thread of laundry hacks. And that suggestion was headlined this way. Gasoline, your ultimate stain buster. Oh, no, Robert. Yeah, this could be it, he thought to himself. Oh. I'm I'm speculating here. I'm just kind of inside his mind at this point. Well, sure. Yeah. Sure. He's thinking to himself, perhaps, after all, gasoline is a powerful solvent, and in his mind, it it could plausibly obliterate stains with ease. (laughs) I'll say. So fueled by a concoction of curiosity, desperation, and the desire to break away from the norm, he decides... To embark on his grand experiment. Ah, here we go. It begins innocently enough, I guess. Ro- Robert, after he gathers his laundry, fills his bathtub with gasoline. Oh, that's not a <laughs> sentence you want to hear. No, yeah. never. Yeah. This, in his mind, I'm guessing, was the ultimate stain-fighting solution. But soon his apartment began to smell extremely bad. Like, say, gasoline? Yeah. <laughs> It turned his uh, apartment into a highly flammable battlefield of odors and unexpected consequences. The uh, gasoline's pungent fumes overwhelmed Robert. Just can't imagine what that must have smelled like. I don't know how big his apartment was, but my guess is it wasn't large enough to to dissipate gasoline smells, especially when you've got a bathtub full of gasoline. You know, it's interesting because... As, as you're saying that, I'm thinking when I'm just filling my car with gas, <laughs> mm-hmm. sometimes it, it's that pungent and, and you think, well, you're standing outside in a 100% ventilated yeah. space. Yeah. Mm. Just imagine in a cramped bathroom of an apartment. Oh, my Lord. Yes. Oh, dear. How would you even begin to combat that smell? Yeah. What would you do, Linz? Light a match? <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, he thought 
it would be a great idea to mask the noxious smell by adorning his apartment with an assortment of lit candles and incense. Oh, Robert. Robert, Robert. Robert, 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 please. As you might have guessed, this was Robert's second bad idea of the day. One that would set off a chain reaction of events that he never could have anticipated. Well, I think he could have anticipated it. He could have, although it sounds like Robert does not start with great decisions. No, no, no. He might have been physically incapable of... A good idea. Robert's experiment into uh, in in aromatic distraction turned his humble apartment into something resembling a Hollywood action movie set. As the candles and the incense mingled with a with the gasoline fumes, the inevitable happened. Oh, boom! Uh, an explosion ripped through the impart the apartment, sending windows flying and walls buckling under its pressure. Which is weird to me. The first thing I would have done would be open the windows. But no! (laughs) He let the gasoline fumes and subsequent explosion open the windows for him. The scene (laughs) that awaited the brave firefighters upon their arrival was something out of a slapstick comedy gone terribly wrong. Amidst the chaos of blown-out windows and wobbly walls, they found Robert, the accidental (laughs) genius behind this disastrous concoction at the epicenter of the explosion. And I picture him sitting there next to the toilet on the floor of the bathroom, his face all smudged in smoke like Wiley Coyote. Wiley Coyote with that cinder-like hair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A little bit of smoke coming off the top of his head. And then he blinks and it sounds like a blunk. Remarkably, Robert was not as severely injured as you might expect. He wasn't killed? No. He just suffered, well, he just suffered. He suffered severe burns, but he managed to hold on despite being in critical condition. The resilience of human stupidity never ceases to amaze. Now, fortunately, not everybody was doomed to suffer the consequences of Robert's harebrained laundry mishap. Robert had a a child, and his child was present during the explosion. Oh, no. He had his kid in the friggin' apartment. But miraculously, the child escaped unscathed. Oh, good. The apartment building, however, didn't uh, fare quite so well. Um, The internal damage, walls shifted, weakened, prompted firefighters to evacuate the building. And uh, I'm sure his neighbors were really pissed about that. Uh, I was going to say, imagine what it's like living next to Robert and how many of them heard what happened and thought, yeah, that sounds like Robert. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Robert's attempt at stain removal with gasoline is a cautionary tale of what happens when imagination takes a perilous turn. As the smoke cleared, uh, we're left with a valuable lesson. When it comes to laundry, stick to conventional detergents and save the gasoline for your car where it rightfully belongs. Christmas, Robert. Let this be a reminder. To us all, that no amount of lit candles or incense can ever mask the stench of human folly. Nicely put. Thank you. Good night. That was artistic. Good night, everybody. Let's end the podcast right now. (laughs) (laughs) This reminds me that uh, recently on TikTok, I've been seeing more and more people talking about how they are ingesting borax. Yeah. What is that? Have you heard about that, Linz? 
No, I haven't. Yeah, some people claim because it has boron in it that it helps relieve like inflammation and the symptoms of lupus and various other things. And, you know, pretty, pretty across the board, doctors are saying, hey, don't do that. Yeah, yeah, it might it might uh, effectively produce those types of uh, results. But I'm guessing it also shuts down your internal organ system. That's sort of like, you know, my ears are clogged. I think I'm going to take a gun (laughs) and fire a bullet because that'll clear out that blockage. It sure will. Borax. Good grief. They're calling it, what is it, getting on the borax train? Oh, God, I hate that stuff. When she told me about that yesterday, I said, are they calling it the Borax Challenge? Because <laughs> she said, no, it's the Borax Train. I'm like, oh, OK, well, that's all, that's all right. You know, JG, this is the time of year where people start planning family reunions for the summer. In fact, I have one coming up in June, and I'm absolutely convinced that these cousins that I haven't seen for a while are finally going to tell me, yeah, I listened to your podcast I don't think you guys are very good. I didn't laugh. Well, humor is subjective. So while you may have to grin and bear with your family, you shouldn't feel that way when you're talking to your doctor about, I don't know, that you maybe eat pizza one too many times a week, something like that. Well, enter ZocDoc. That's the place where you can find a book doctors will make you feel comfortable and actually listen to you. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual, real patients. And we're not talking about a few. We're talking about tens of thousands of doctors. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Look, people love this app and this website. Next time I'm looking for a doctor, this is definitely what I'm going to use. Go to ZocDoc.com slash TSE and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash T-S-E. ZocDoc.com slash T-S-E. When Johann Rahl received the letter on Christmas Day, 1776, he put it away to read later. Maybe he thought it was a season's greeting and wanted to save it for the fireside. But what it actually was, was a warning, delivered to the Hessian colonel, letting him know that General George Washington was crossing the Delaware and would soon attack his forces. The next day, when Rawl lost the Battle of Trenton and died from two Colonial Boxing Day musket balls, the letter was found, unopened in his vest pocket. As someone with 15,000 unread emails in his inbox, I feel like there's a lesson there. Oh well, this is The Constant, a history of getting things wrong. I'm Mark Chrysler. Every episode, we look at the bad ideas, mistakes, and accidents that misshaped our world. Find us at constantpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you remember being a toddler and sitting in your high chair while your parents fed you? And then you grew up and developed a refined palate, especially for fine French dining. Imagine a dining experience that combines those two distinct occasions into one unforgettable meal. Welcome to Le Restaurant de la Chaise Haute, the high chair restaurant. Your evening begins by choosing the adult-sized onesie you'll wear to dinner. After being wheeled to your table in an oversized stroller, you'll be placed in your very own high chair, complete with a stainless steel tray, so you can bang your spoon on it just like you did when you were little. Enjoy escargot, bouffe bourguignon, French onion soup, and cocovon like never before, all fed to you spoon by spoon as if you were still a baby. 
And to drink, there's expensive Cabernet Sauvignon served in your very own sippy cup with your name in French emblazoned on it. It's yours to keep as our gift to commemorate this unforgettable culinary experience, the High Chair Restaurant, La Restaurant de la Chaise Haute, just off Interstate 4 in Orlando. The email address is lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. Send us your story ideas, your comments, your own shallow end moments. We got a couple of listeners who sent in their own audio recordings. We genuinely appreciate that. This is uh, an email from a woman named Denise who says, Hi, Lindsay, Kat, and Jethro. I'm a loyal fan of Box of Oddities, and I was so excited when you guys started the Shallow End podcast. The Shallow End's always good for uplifting my day and giving me many chuckles. I listen to you when I walk in the mornings and when I work in the kitchen. I'm always relaying your stories to friends and my daughter. I love you guys and Kat too, of course! Exclamation mark. I wanted to tell you about a shallow end moment my family had about 15 years ago in Disneyland, Anaheim, California. In episode 49, you talked about how Kat has had to deal with security at Disney World <laughs> rummaging through her purse uh. and finding, quote, dangerous things, unquote, to <laughs> confiscate. We were going to Disneyland for the first time with our toddler who was all of six years old in her lunch bag. I'd packed her stainless steel silverware, which I take with us everywhere a fork, spoon, and knife that are miniature toddler size. The knife looked like a small butter knife. Well, they searched our backpack and found the silverware. They immediately (laughs) confiscated the toddler knife, and they wouldn't give it back. I think the most damage it could have done would be to give someone a good bruise if you hit them hard enough with it. (laughs) I just had this image of a toddler toddling around the park, randomly stabbing people with a butter knife. (laughs) But thanks to the entrance guards, no one would have to experience that. Yes. LOL. <laughs> Since we complained and gave them a hard time, they said they would bring the knife back to us. So we gave them our hotel room number. Sure enough, that night there's a knock on the door and a Disney security host was there with the knife. She came in and gave our daughter a sheriff sticker. She looked a little sheepish about returning such a dangerous weapon. (laughs) My daughter wasn't really concerned at all about the whole thing, but was happy to get the sticker anyway. That's my shallow end story. Keep up the good work and showing us that there's always someone dumber than us. Hugs and kisses, Denise. The only thing... P.S. Go ahead. Yeah. P.S. Lindsay, I want to hear more from your wife. I'm guessing that she's the voice behind the shallow end's beginnings and close. Yes. Yes, Denise, she is. Yes, the lifeguard, if you will. That's a great. That's a great story, and it doesn't surprise me that uh, that Disney would would send a host to their hotel room, not only returning the dangerous weapon, but a a little sticker making her an honorary Disney security host. The only thing that could have made that story better is if they had opened their hotel door and it was Pooh Bear there with with a stiletto, <laughs> looking for a knife fight. <laughs> oh, that would have been beautiful. Oh, bother. Not fitting not fi- not fitting with the Disney family-friendly thing, but yeah, kind of like a sharks and jets. Once you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. Pooh Bear with a with a s- stiletto facing off with a 6-year-old toddler <laughs> with her little butter knife. Yeah. Priceless. Disney magic indeed. <laughs> Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. Send us your emails. We mean it. Is a stiletto a kind of knife? <laughs> it is. Oh, mm. I only know it is it a is. spiky shoe. <laughs> and she's a knife aficionado, too. So that yeah. kind of shocks me. 
which is yeah. why we have so many episodes at Disney security. <laughs> She's got something pointy all the time, sharp and pokey. Guess who's getting a stiletto for Christmas this year? And <laughs> <clears throat> we're not talking shoes. <laughs> You're in the shallow end with Schnappley and Toth. Here's a question for you two. How expensive is a dollar store shooting? Dollar? Do- Hard to tell. Dollar fifty? This is the story of a dollar store transaction, so to speak. Actually, transaction in this case is a fancy word for shooting. This isn't the first time, ironically, that we've read about a self-defense shooting at a Dollar General or Dollar Store. Mm. Back in October of 2019, a manager at a Dayton, Ohio store was forced to shoot an armed robber. And in that particular case, a grand jury declined to charge the manager with any crime because they agreed he was acting in self-defense. Last year, we read about two defensive gun uses at dollar stores in a one-week period. Can you believe that? First, there was an incident in Miami. Wow. First, there was an incident in Miami where the wife of a family dollar manager had to come to her husband's aid when a former employee who'd been fired allegedly pulled a gun and began firing. Ooh. And then later that week in Philadelphia, a dollar general manager was a licensed concealed carry holder. He shot and killed a robber who had armed himself with a realistic looking, but turned out to be fake Mm. firearm. So this brings us up to just this past April, just three months ago in New Orleans. And our customer, in quotes, is a guy named Roderick Bennett. So Roderick is shopping at the Dollar General store. That's in case anyone wants to go check it out. It's in the 2800 block of South Claiborne Avenue in New Orleans. I'm just trying to be as helpful as I can to our listeners in the New Orleans area. Bring your flak vest. Roderick apparently thought that one of the items in the store was overpriced <laughs> because it's, it's you know, it's a dollar store. Right. Now, they don't say what the item was or what it cost, but Kat, my first thought was $1.50, <laughs> maybe, maybe $2, whatever the item was, Roderick was not going to pay that much. In his mind, that item was overpriced. End of discussion. So he finds an employee at the store and walks him over to said item and says, you can't charge this much for this item. That's too high. (laughs) And the employee (laughs) presumably says, yeah, sorry, man, that's that's the price. You know, I don't I don't set the prices. That's that's just the the price there on the on the item. But Roderick is not going to be played like that. He is not. Damn it going to pay full price at the Dollar General store. Do you understand? <laughs> so he says, hey, I'm, I'm not going to pay that much for that item. And now things are starting to get heated. And, and they don't say in any of the stories, but I'm picturing what are the other customers thinking yeah. who are overhearing this discussion? Like, dude, you're in a dollar store, you know? <laughs> this is not a haggling environment. It's not a haggling environment. And what are you going to save? You're in a dollar store. I'm going to save eight cents on this and I'm going to haggle my way down. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. So our dollar store employee says, dude, you're in a dollar general store. You don't like the price. Go somewhere else and, you know, find something. If you can find something less expensive than a dollar store, <laughs> then have at it. But 
Roderick is stick his, sticking to his guns. He has been pushed to his limit, and it's on. And he tells the employee, "All right, let's take this outside." Oh, he actually, he actually wants to fight this employee oh, in the Dollar General parking lot. Oh boy! So he starts to walk out of the store, and all this is on on surveillance video, and. The employee is still arguing with Roderick, but now Roderick's in the parking lot with his back to the store. He turns around to face the employee and he pulls out what is very clearly a gun and he starts walking toward the employee. So let's stop right there because for one, probably a bad decision to argue about a price of an item at a dollar store. (laughs) Two, to say, hey, I'm so upset, we're going to go outside and argue this. We're going to fight this out in the parking lot because that's what men do. Uh And three, pull a gun because what Roderick didn't stop to consider was that employee was carrying a gun of his own. And that employee now, understandably, fears for his life because Roderick has pulled a gun. So before Roderick can fire his weapon, the employee draws his pistol and he fires one round and it hits Roderick square in the chest, drops him like a bag of hammers. Boom. But miraculously, it doesn't kill Roderick. Wow. Who is now on his hands and knees in tremendous pain because, you know, he just got shot point blank in the chest. (laughs) That'll do it. And we're guessing... That he starts, this is probably the point where he starts to think, uh, maybe that pulling a whole gun thing wasn't such a great idea. So what does he do? He's got a plan. He (laughs) crawls to his car. Yes. He's not going to let a gunshot wound to the chest stop him. Short of bleeding out, I can't think of what a plan he could possibly come up with. Well, he's an enterprising young man (laughs) with a with a criminal history and a rap sheet, he's going to drive himself to the nearest hospital, which happens to be Auctioner Baptist Hospital Emergency Room. It's less than a mile away. So Roderick gets in his car, starts it up, heads out of the parking lot, and we suspect that he is in great pain and probably, to your point, JG, losing a lot of blood and feeling woozy and he ends up crashing his car. So now he's doubly screwed. Now he's got a gaping chest wound from a point-blank gunshot, (laughs) and he's just crashed his car. Well, fortunately for Roderick, a good Samaritan is driving by and witnesses this car accident, and he puts Roderick into his car and drives him to the hospital. Now, the news stories don't say anything about the good Samaritan what his name was, they, they didn't get any kind of interview. So I'm guessing that this Good Samaritan probably didn't even know that Roderick had been shot. He just probably saw the blood on his chest and assumed that that was from the car accident. Yeah, right. right. So anyway, Roderick is rushed into emergency surgery. He's in critical condition, but amazingly, he survives the gunshot wow yeah yeah he actually he actually makes it through now we don't know if the the employee the dollar general employee who shot roderick in self-defense we don't even know if he called the new orleans police department right after the shooting because none of the stories say you know did he go in and call 911 and say hey i 
I just shot a guy who pulled a gun to shoot me. Or did he just go back to stocking shelves? Yeah. I see him in there with his little price gun going around and ching, 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 ching. On top of cans of soup. I love pricing things with a price gun. It's so much fun. I almost bought her a price gun for Christmas once. That would have been fun. Mm. We do know that six days later, New Orleans Police Department detectives did interview Mr. Bennett. And not surprisingly, Roderick said, yeah, it's all a fog. It's all a haze. I actually don't even remember (laughs) anything about this. I don't even remember arguing at a Dollar General. But fortunately, there were witnesses around who corroborated the employee's side of the story, including uh, Roderick Bennett pulling out his gun and demanding the employee fight him in the in the parking lot. But according to the Times Picayune newspaper in New Orleans, store surveillance footage that the police looked at clearly shows Roderick exiting the dollar store before he turns around, pulls his gun, and starts walking toward the employee. And that's when the employee drew his own firearm right. and fired that single shot in self-defense. So the police don't even hand the case over to the DA's office. It's very clear this was a case right. of self-defense. Yep. The, our 49-year-old protagonist, Roderick, got a two-for-one deal at the police station. <laughs> he got booked for aggravated assault with a gun and possession of a firearm as a convicted felon. Again, another prohibited possessor situation. So as a convicted felon, he's carrying that gun illegally. Also, distracted driving, I would assume. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if he didn't have his license with him. Roderick Bennett, a poster boy for the adage, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. (laughs) Got this from NOLA.com, BearingArms.com, and the Times-Picayune in New Orleans. You know, it's all the more maddening when you stop to remember that this whole thing was about an overpriced, in quote, item in a dollar store. I know. That's insane. I wish I had been there and, and see... To, to have seen the, the buildup to this before they went outside, that I could have gone up to Roderick and said, you know what, pal, what's the price difference? Is it an extra 50 cents? Is it an extra dollar? Yeah. It's on me. Here you go. Here's your, Here here's go. a dollar and go, go pay for this. That, you know, a gaping chest wound is a steep price to pay for a, a can of soup. I wondered if, for for some reason, the first thing that popped into my head was it was a bag of of Twizzlers. Pork rinds is more likely. Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) Guess more things, you guys. This part is fun. (laughs) Well, I'm just thinking that that (laughs) the the type of guy that would shoot up a store over an overpriced can of soup is probably a pork rind aficionado. Probably so. Our email address is... Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. Please tell your family, continue to tell your family and friends about us. We know you guys have been saying good things and turning people on to the podcast, and we genuinely appreciate that. We do indeed. Lifeguard at shallowendpodcast.com. And don't forget, if you want to share this podcast with someone you know who works at a Dollar General, it could <laughs> save their life. And that's what we're all about here. Not only entertaining, but we're uh, we're providing a very much needed public service. Mm. So continue to, if you don't mind, my friend, to make good choices. Your life might depend on it. So concludes another episode of The Shallow End with Schnebley and Toff. 
We thank you for listening. Oh, be a dear, would you? Please subscribe to this podcast, give these boys a five-star rating, and think of something nice to say, even if you have to make something up. And visit us online at shallowendpodcast.com. Okay, gotta go.